listening to The 30 Podcast. Here's your host, Jazz Kang. All right, welcome to another episode recording this as the Patriots are laying the boots to the Steelers yet again, up 30 to 3 NFL opening weekend. Uh, on with me today to talk all things Lakers, though, Marcus Fitzgerald. Marcus, how you doing, man? I'm doing exceptionally well. And, and my thanks, of course, to Tom Brady and Bill Belichick because they allowed us to tape this podcast probably an hour earlier than we had to. So, so we're saving time because because the Pats are, as you said, laying the boots to Pittsburgh, which anybody could have predicted. But I appreciate that they're saving us about an hour here on a Sunday night. So this is good. Oh, yeah, they uh, they're, they're they're taking it. They're taking it to them. And it's kind of interesting because with the fantasy football aspect of it, now we, we both play in the same league for people who don't we know. Do. But uh, you won last year, and you came into this year. How happy were you to see your Eagles dominate and come back, actually? Because things were looking a little bit scary early on, especially after that Vernon Davis touchdown. I was like, ooh, what do we got going on? Oh, you know what? I was, I, I was not impressed, uh, to say the least, off the hop, particularly when you've got – and even, even Charles Davis said this on the broadcast. He joked. He said 173-year-old Vernon Davis hurtling defenders and breaking tackles and racing 40 yards for a touchdown. Now, I didn't learn until afterwards that that was a very – uh, emotional touchdown that Vernon Davis scored because I think his grandfather passed away or something like that. Mm, that's so right, that's yeah. a cool story. But in the moment when I saw that and I saw the secondary get torched, I thought, well, this looks a lot like the Seagull team that we saw last year, but I am impressed. Yeah, they rattle off 22 straight points. They can get away with that against a dumpster fire like Washington. I just don't know if they go up against the big dogs, if they can do the same. So I like that they won. I like Deshaun Jackson came back and had a big day. But I worry about that secondary from now till about January. That's going to take about a year and a half off my life. Oh, yeah. It's, I mean, they, they still should be. I think them and the Cowboys, obviously the class of the NFC East. Uh, Patriots right now looking damn good. Adding Antonio Brown next week. Thank you for doing that because he's on my fantasy team. Also picked up Tom <laughs> Brady off the waiver wire this week. So I'm very happy about that as well. Got it for nothing. So I'm, I'm excited to see what happens uh, with the Pats. Just a reminder for you all. Uh, this podcast brought to you by the Silver Screen and Roll Podcast Network. Don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes. We are on Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, you name it. You can find us there. And, of course, check out silverscreenandroll.com, your number one source for all things Lakers, including stats, opinions, analysis, you name it. We are there. A couple of things I want to jump into, Marcus, in terms of the Lakers. Uh, did you see the LeBron video, the workout video that came out on Twitter just a few hours ago? You know what? I missed the one that you were talking about, but I saw one where he was doing squats and people were roasting him for his form. I, I think there was some uh, pelvic thrusting in there. And I thought, well, <laughs> it's definitely LeBron James pelvic thrusting workout season on Twitter because we're still about a month away from the games. And I'm probably dying just the same way that you are, just the same way that Harrison and Anthony are for sure, because I'd like to talk about games. I will admit, though, I have not seen this video you have to tell me, buddy, what did he do in this video that was so crazy? Well, he had the ninja-style ninja headband, right? One that's banned by the league now, obviously, oh, okay. for some really ridiculous reason. But, I mean, Danny Green's in the video. You can see uh, Quinn Cook there as well. They're just kind of doing Alex Caruso, everybody's favorite, Captain America. He's in, he's right. in the video, too. But it's just basically LeBron dominating them. It's like a highlight compilation, basically, oh, of, him, okay. of him doing so well. Ba so, basically, what you're trying to ask me is, LeBron is saying that it's revenge season. I saw an Instagram post along those lines. It's just a photo of him hitting a reverse layup at the practice facility. And there yep. was some tag on it, like revenge season. And I'm, I'm, I'm with you in the sense that, yes, I'm glad that LeBron is, is doing that. I'm glad he's showing that he's paying attention to all these people who have 
now immediately written him off as one of the best players in the league and, and by proxy, one of the best players in the world. But here's what I'm thinking of. Uh, think back to last season when he came back from the injury and the team was struggling and they needed him to carry the load and be the guy. What did he say was going to happen? He said, I'm going to go into playoff mode. You're going to get LeBron James playoff mode. Well, we all remember what happened after he said that. We didn't exactly see LeBron James playoff mode, right? So no, it's it's no, great that it's great that he's getting into shape. It's great that he is, you know, he's being fueled by these doubters who have now dismissed him because he's getting older. He's into year 17, and all that criticism is warranted. I get it, and that's wonderful. But we didn't see LeBron take off when he got mad last season. I just hope that with an actual eight or nine months off to rehab his body and to get rested. He didn't play in the finals this year for the first time in forever, as we know. So he has an opportunity to actually get himself right. And I would any other year see a post like that and go, okay, he's going to average 28, nine and eight with three blocks and three steals. And he's going to be a 50, 40, 90 guy. We could have said that five years ago. I don't know that we can say that now. It's wonderful that he's posting these things. But I want to make sure that he believes it, and I don't know that I can trust it until we actually see it. Because that playoff LeBron thing from last season scarred me a little bit, and it still kind of does, even as we sit here in the first week of September. Well, I think, I think with all due respect to him, you know, coming back from the injury, I mean, I always say this, he put up monster numbers last year. You know, if he was doing this on yeah. a team that won, that won 55 games, he's right in the contention with, for MVP with Giannis. You know yeah. what I mean? I, I don't think there's much about that, but they didn't have the horses last year. And I think that the optimism coming into it, you know, with everyone saying, hey, this young guy, the young core is going to grow with LeBron and they're, they're ready to take the step because they had a great end to the 2017-2018 season. Mm. You know, I just don't think he had the horses this year. Man, you got Anthony Davis with you, a, a prime Anthony Davis who, who's going to take a lot of load off. I, I think that missing out on the playoffs Gave him a little bit of perspective. Yeah, everybody says, well, he came to Hollywood to do Space Jam. Okay, yeah, it might have been one of the alluring parts about coming there. Not like you would want, like, who wouldn't want to leave Cleveland to come play in L.A.? You know what I mean? He did, he did what yeah. he had to do in Cleveland, won a championship there. But coming over to L.A., it was, I think people were, were questioning that. Maybe he did let it get to his head. Maybe he did, you know? Like, maybe he was like, hey, I, I want to focus on my, my career outside, obviously doing the stuff he's doing with un, uh, Uninterrupted. He's also mm -hmm. doing his more than an athlete segment on ESPN. He's got this movie going on, but I think missing out on the playoffs. And I, I'm not going to make too much of the of the workout video. It is what it is. It's a guy's highlights from a game. We don't see any misses. You know. You know what I mean? Yeah, Nobody's of course. Of course that, not. <laughs> right when you're put when you're putting together a, a demo or or a reel for broadcasting, you don't put on the crappy stuff you did. You know what I mean? You put on no, the stuff no, of that course you not. <laughs> so he's uh, you know that that's the way he's handling this, but. Um, I, I do think there's an extra set of, of, of motivation for him missing out on the playoffs, having people question him and having people say, hey, you know what, Jordan didn't miss the playoffs, you know, until he got to the Wizards there and, and yeah. you know, what happened. And, but ultimately, to me, I agree with you. I, I, the only part I'm concerned, concerned with about LeBron, like I, I agree with you in the terms of having concern, is that it's going to be 35. And he's yeah. the guy who relies a lot on athleticism. That's where his game is developed. He doesn't, he doesn't have a silky smooth turnaround jumper like, like uh, Michael Jordan, like Kobe did. He doesn't have mm -hmm. that post-up game where, hey, you know what, I'm not going to put too much uh, wear and tear on my, on my tendons and my joints and stuff because I'm just playing simple basketball. For LeBron, it's about dominating athletically. So as long as his body holds up, I am expecting him to have a huge year this season.
But, you know, I, I would also expect LeBron to kind of know that and to know it at this age and at this stage in his career what his limitations are. Surely he knows and he studied the tape. He's watched MJ in his later years. He knows what Kobe did in his later years and how those guys adjusted their games. He literally stood next to Dwayne Wade as as Dwayne kind of begun his decline or his, his uh, ascent, I suppose, is the right term to use. So I, I think we can trust LeBron to... Um, tailor his game and tailor his body. I know I've told you this story or at least shared that anecdote with you on this podcast before, Jazz. It's, it's the one that Brian Winhorst uh, told once. It was it was game seven against Boston, and I, I think he rejected Jason Ter- uh, Yeah, Terry Rozier. He rejected Terry Rozier at the rim. The play went down the other way, and he just kind of stood there under the basket and just watched. And there was that iconic camera shot of him in that game. And then somewhere around there, Brian Winhorst on an ESPN show or podcast or whatever said, hey, look, LeBron has figured out a way to preserve himself. So I think about that. If he's figured out a way to control his energy and to, you know, uh, you know, manage his energy level during the games, I have absolutely no doubt that this guy at age 34, 35 is going to find a way to adjust his game, still be LeBron and still control the game, but do it in a slightly different way. And I think. That's going to be the most fascinating thing with him going into year 17, 18, 19. And then by the time Bronny shows up, maybe he doesn't play at all. I don't know. But I definitely trust him to tailor his game so he can save himself a little bit. Yeah, and you do. I I mean, you've started to see that over the last two or three seasons, especially on the defensive end. I mean, he was a turnstile last year. Let's be honest, right? I mean, he wasn't putting in too much work. And (laughs) if he really wants to be, he can't the defensive end of the floor. You know what I mean? Is he going to do it night in and night out? Probably not. And I, I do expect that if the Lakers are going up against a team like the Clippers in the playoffs where, you know, there's a, there, there's a stud like Kawhi Leonard staring you in the face on the other end, I think LeBron's going to step up to the challenge and say, you know what, I'll guard him. He was never a terrible defender until the last few years, right? And his competitiveness, I think, will come out ultimately, and that'll help him and help the Lakers when, when it comes down to it. But you're going to see that for 82 games? Hell no. You know what I mean? You're not going to see this no, guy no. Uh, go out there and try and win defensive player of the year. That's just not going to happen. No, no, you're not going to see that for 82 games. Now, the problem is a lot of that depth that could have helped LeBron plus AD uh, now play in New Orleans. So you have to wonder. I mean, look, Danny Green is, is, a, is a wonderful acquisition. He can space the floor. He can shoot. But you're not trusting Danny Green to put the ball on the floor. Uh, we saw him down the stretch uh, with the Raptors and in the finals. You want Danny Green to shoot an open three? Fine. Great. You want Danny Green to play defense? Fine. Fantastic. You don't want Danny Green putting the ball on the floor trying to create shots. You don't want Avery Bradley doing that either. So I just worry that there's not like AD is great. AD is the best teammate that LeBron has ever had, arguably, depending on how you feel about Dwayne Wade. He's going to extend LeBron a little bit, maybe a year. He's going to help him out here and there. We know that. But after AD, who helps LeBron in the perimeter? LeBron's going to be the primary ball handler and playmaker and facilitator. That's that's a lot to ask of a guy at that age, even though it's LeBron James. So, yes, he can bring in the playoffs and, and when the chips are down, but they still have to manage his schedule through 82 games so the Lakers can get to the playoffs this time and be a high seed as well. Because I, if if they go lower than top four, then, then I think that's a disappointment. Um, really? Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. Because you don't think I, I with don't, the load, you don't think with the like, because I'm looking at it. Okay, 82 games. LeBron probably plays. You know, considering all things being considered, that he's healthy, I would yeah. say 70. 
65 to 70 with load management. And, and to me, in the Western Conference this year, you lose four or five games because you don't have your best players out there. That's going to be the difference between finishing third and sixth because I think it's just going to be like very tight in the in the standings and you know you're not gonna you're not gonna have a lot of a lot of separation between the teams that are finishing one through eight I don't, you know what I yeah. mean like I just don't I don't find it so, so to me I think even if they finish in the five six seven seven probably a little bit too low but I can see five or six and, and I still don't think that would be um I don't think it'd be overall a disappointment because it depends on who you're playing in the first round but I mean right. to me for them right now the point is get into the playoffs and get in health and then that's where you'll do your damage. Yeah, I, I suppose. And, and I guess, you know, the thing with this load management is the Raptors set the precedent, not only with Kawhi Leonard, because we saw what a healthy Kawhi did in the playoffs, but they also set it because when they sat Kawhi for those 22 games in the regular season, I don't, I don't have that, that stat in front of me right now, but the Raptors went something like 17 and five or 18 yeah, and four. Yeah, like they were, yeah. they were really good without Kawhi. And that's because they had that infrastructure in place where with the Lakers, it's essentially an all new team with a few of the meme team leftovers to to help them out. So uh, it is it is definitely not it is definitely not LeBron AD and the supporting cast of the 2019 Raptors, which is all I'm trying to say. So if the Lakers do this properly, if LeBron plays 66 games and Anthony Davis doesn't get hurt and is load managed to about 68, then yes, I'm sure that'll be good enough to be like a four or five seed in the West. But I just worry that with as good as the conference is going to be, you don't want to dick around too much. And, and all of a sudden there's two weeks left in the season and you're in that eighth spot and you're trying to sneak your way. And that would be that honestly, that would be my biggest concern with the Lakers going into the season. Yeah, you can load manage them, but you really have to be careful just given the lack of supporting cast around the big two, even though the big two can probably still destroy some worlds when they're out there and they're healthy. Oh yeah. And, and uh, you know, I think that's where, uh, people are underestimating Golden State a little bit. You mentioned Big Two. That's kind of the new fad in the NBA. Well, we've got two studs. We can fill in the rest with some good role players, some guys who might be able to add, you know, like a Fred Van Vliet who's not afraid to hit a big shot. And mm-hmm. you look at a team like the Warriors, and I, I think a lot of people are sleeping on them. I think if, if Clay comes back and he's even 90% of what he was, I would not want to run into that Warriors team come time for next to April. Uh, let's take a break here. We'll jump back into a couple of other tidbits, including Dwight Howard, Uh, referencing some of the jokes that Kobe and Shaq have made about him, especially publicly on Twitter. And I want to touch on Kobe as well, saying, you know what? Nah, I don't help Rob Palenka recruit anybody to the Lakers. So let's take a short break. We'll jump into both those after that. All right, and we are back. Uh, Dwight Howard, he was quoted. You can read this story on silverscreenandroll.com after obviously Kobe and and Shaq had that mini bar back and forth about uh, Kobe saying Shaq didn't, didn't work too hard. And, and, you know, Shaq kind of came back with a laugh and saying, you know, he's talking about Dwight and his lack of work ethic. Um, you know, Dwight, and I'm going to quote here too. This is from, again, you could check this story out at silverscreenandroll.com. I really didn't know about it until one day it was brought to my attention as I was on Instagram. That's when Howard referring to what uh, Kobe and Shaq were talking about. He's like, Shaq and Kobe are two of the greatest players to ever play the game of basketball. Good save there because he's telling the truth. I have nothing but love and respect for both of those guys. I think what they've been able to accomplish in their lives after basketball has been amazing. Now, he's talking about them, you know, growing as businessmen. And he talks about him, you know, potentially wanting to do that one day. But let's get back to the criticism, right? Because he does mention this as well. He's like, he doesn't plan to allow anything to distract me from helping this team win a championship. Dwight seems to be a sensitive dude. So do you think he has this in the back of his mind that, you know, two of the, of the greatest Lakers, at least of the last, you know, 20, 30 years, obviously, 
are, are questioning me and, and talking about me. Do you think that adds fuel to the fire or do you think that Dwight is kind of telling the truth? Like, dude, I don't really care. Well, I, I don't know that it necessarily adds fuel to the fire because I think Kevin Durant has kind of sent the benchmark for sensitive NBA player. And yet Kevin still goes out there and plays like Kevin. Now we know that Dwight has let things get to him over the years. We know that it's somehow, and he said this on ESPN, it somehow took him seven years to understand what Kobe meant when he called him soft on the floor back in like 2013. <laughs> I still don't quite understand the context of what he meant or why he said it. Is Dwight sensitive? Yes. Is that in the back of his mind? Absolutely. Now, Dwight also knows, I mean, Dwight's not dumb. Like, coming back to L.A., he knows he wasn't popular there the first time around. He he gets kind of... I don't I don't know if I don't know if unfairly blamed for that year because I know that he came back from surgery and he probably wasn't healthy, but he still played and blah blah blah. So you know he he went in there and he said all the you know, all the right things, all the political answers. Shaq's great, Kobe's great, this and that. And I know that he has had to go to his now new Laker teammates and say, hey, look, I'm here to do whatever you want. I'm still going to defend. I'm still going to you know high screen and roll and all this stuff and give LeBron options and this and that. He said all the right things and he's done all the right things, but we know that he's sensitive and this is absolutely in the back of his mind. And there's like, I'll tell you a story. I was, I was in Port Coquitlam last week and I saw a friend of mine, Sean, who I used to work with. And we were talking about Dwight Howard because I was wearing my Laker hat. And Sean said, you know, the funny thing about guys like Dwight Howard, it's they're like, they're like cars. You know, the car looks great, and then you open up the hood, and you realize there's a lot of problems. <laughs> and I think that's kind of the way that that's kind of the way that Dwight's been looked at over the last six or seven years. And I don't think he's changed all that much. Of course, he's going to go on the offensive, and he's going to go on a wonderful PR campaign and make it seem like, all right, this is my ninth and final chance, so I'm going to make it work. And we've seen the photos. He looks lean as hell. He may have actually lost 25 real pounds because he looks real good. But again, that's the car analogy, right? Once you go under the hood, you got to find out what's under there. I know, or at least I have a very good sense that, yeah, he's totally thinking about what guys like Shaq and Kobe say because he cares what people think. He's a sensitive guy, as most people in the world are. Is that going to affect his play on the court? I don't know, but it's definitely in the back of his mind. I just hope, listen, we don't need Dwight Howard to come in there and play 30 minutes a night. You know that. I know that. All they need is for him to play 15 minutes, give him, you know, eight or nine boards, a couple of blocks, some solid D he can protect the rim with Anthony Davis, you know, supporting him defensively, which is probably the best situation he could ever ask for. He doesn't have to do much. He just needs to keep his mouth shut and play. He said all the right things. He said, that's what he's going to do, but I actually want to see him do it because once you're a star 10 years ago, this guy was battling LeBron for MVPs. And now he essentially has to beg his way onto this roster. So I, I just hope that he finds his way without making too much noise, I hope. Uh, I, you know, I think you will. And I will say this, man. Give him some credit for having the balls to come back to the Lakers, right? That's not yeah. easy to, to, to know that, okay, you know what? We don't know if he had three or four different opportunities or different teams, you know, knocking on his door to try and get him to sign. We know that he's, he's basically flamed out everywhere he's been the last three or four stops. But mm -hmm. for, for him to accept the responsibility of coming back to a market like Los Angeles, especially how crazy it is about the Lakers, that shows something. That might show a sense of maturity. That might show a sense of belief in himself. Because the fact that he came here, he's doing it for minimal money anyways. It's a drop in the bucket for him. For us, 
you know, making two and a half, three million bucks is a, is a very nice, you know, like chunk of change. <laughs> I'd be thrilled, but for him, it's nothing, right? Like, let, let's just call a spade a spade. A guy who's yeah. made, you know, almost a hundred million dollars, over a hundred million dollars in his career, making another, you know, three to five million dollars, depending on how things shake out. It doesn't really mean much in the, in the in the bigger scope of things. So for me, I think it did show a sense of responsibility and a sense of of, of maturity. The fact that he wanted to come back here and accept what could be a very hostile situation for him, especially in the beginning, because a lot of Lakers fans, you can read the comments that we get on Silver Screen and Roll, they don't yeah. they don't want him back here, and then there's going to be a very short leash for him. Well, and, and I mean, and the front office has made that leash very short. Now we we, we joke about the money that he's making. Uh, when that first came out, I read that and I thought, gee, I'd, I'd love to make 14 grand a day until I act up and they kick me out of somewhere. That'd be amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but would... the difference with you, you'd only make 14,000. You kicked out after one day anyways, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> just, I, I just need one day to pay off my debts, Rob Polinka. Just, just sign me <laughs> for one day and then, and then I'll just cause a problem and you can get rid of me. But you know, yeah, no, you're right. I, I, I agree with that. I, I do think that he is showing uh, some fortitude to go back into the lion's den, I guess. But he also knows that he doesn't have to be um, Orlando Dwight, which is what he had to be six years ago. He doesn't have to do that now. He just needs to keep his mouth shut, grab some rebounds, and protect the rim. Anthony Davis is here now to do Anthony Davis things, to do all the things that he was supposed to do six years ago. Now he can just be a supporting guy. Um, one thing that does bother me about Dwight he can still rebound the basketball. He can still score a little bit. But he, he's always tended to have these lapses defensively under the basket. And there's lots of little footage, little videos that have popped up on Twitter where it's like, just a reminder, Dwight defensively, like he'll lose a guy on a box out or he'll get crossed up on a switch or something like that. It's those little moments, those little Mario Chalmers-esque moments that are going to drive LeBron James nuts. And I just wonder how many of those does Dwight have in the tank before LeBron starts to whisper and LeBron starts to plant some stories. And all of a sudden Dave McManaman has this story about how, well, Dwight's been a bit of a problem. And then suddenly Andre Iguodala gets bought out. Do you know what I mean? I yeah. can kind of see the moves, you know, nine or 10 steps down the road. I just want Dwight to be happy and rebound the basketball. That's it for 10 minutes a night, 10 to 15 minutes a night. I know that's not much to ask, but I just hope that he finds it. Like I said, no, you're, you're right. And I, that's the biggest thing. I mean, on a personal level, I want him to succeed, right? I want him to do well. I want him to be able to to bounce back and have, you know, kind of, I don't want to say right off into the sunset because he's never going to be like that because of how far he's no. fallen from grace. You know what I mean? Like, and the people, <laughs> yeah. you know, nobody looks at him like that anymore. And it, it has been, I mean, I, I don't really, a lot of other NBA players who went through that type of fall. You know, how many guys can yeah. you look back at and say, man, this guy was a perennial MVP contender, you know, led his team to the finals. And in, uh, in, in 2009-10 there, or pardon me, uh, um, where year was it? 08-09, right? With, uh, yeah. with, uh, with the Magic. And, and he, gets to, he gets to the final. And then, you know, he's, he's the star of the show and wants to make his, you know, force his way to L.A., wins the dunk contest. And, like, within three years after that, it was just like, Dwight who? Like, why are we even talking yeah. about this guy anymore? And like, do you, when you look back at it, man, do you think of anyone that you, that you comes to mind that you can say, 
yeah, they fell off pretty bad like that in the NBA. It's it's a hard it's a hard thing to find, right? Like a comparison. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a couple guys come to mind. One might be a bit of a reach, and one might be just because of injury. And Dwight didn't get derailed because of injuries necessarily. He just yeah, he got, got he got derailed because of stupidity. That's, that's yeah, the difference yeah. With that's, him, right? But I'm I'm thinking I I think the obvious one, even though I don't know it's the right comparison, might be Derrick Rose. But other than that, yeah, that's injury related, though. I mean, I, mean, you know. I, I know, I know yeah. exactly. Like, I'm trying to think of, you know, uh, a star or a perennial defensive player of the year or a perennial MVP candidate that really did it to themselves. And and that's kind of what Dwight did, because even when he went to Houston, you know, Daryl Morey was thrilled and, and you know, Dwight was going to play with James Harden. And this was kind of before just before the pace and space era kicked off. So it was a it was a natural pairing for the Rockets at that time. You had the inside outside presence, and and that didn't work. And that's when Dwight really started to bounce around. And and I just you're right. It's very hard to think of a scenario or think of a player that just leveled off because he did it to himself. Uh, Stefan Marbury had a wonderful career eventually in China. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I, I I just feel like if this doesn't work for Dwight. He's going to go be a hell of a star in China for about three or four years after this. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's, that's the that's, next stop. That's probably going to be, yeah, that's going to, it's going to have to be. I mean, that's it. He's done yeah. after this. If mm-hmm. he, if he comes in here and, and craps the bed in terms of his maturity and his behavior, I mean, on court wise, yeah, he's not, he's a shell of his former self, especially with, you know, a big man having back problems and, and hamstring problems that pretty much will set you up for, for doom, right? It doesn't matter yeah. what, not many big men age that gracefully. They, well, let's you know, and here's, 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 here's a big man reference for you and for, and for Laker fans as well. When Kwame Brown was, was moved to the Lakers, Kwame washed out in Washington, as we know. He was the number one overall pick, and Michael Jordan essentially shattered his spirit, and Doug Collins stomped on it. So he got a new chance in, in, in L.A. with the Lakers. And he looked good in a Laker uniform. You know what I mean? He looked strong. And it's like, well, Kwame Brown's got all the physical tools. He looks okay. But then again, back to that old, you know, that old, uh, uh, um, I can't even think of the word right now. My friend, Sean, the car looks good, but then you open up the hood. I'm thinking of Kwame Brown in like 2006. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Kind of. What yeah, like, yeah. I mean, let's, let, let's hope that uh, it's not the same result, but I, I, I feel like there's some Kwame Brown vibes there. And I know that, a lot of people in Laker Nation are going to hear that and go, oh, my God, really, Kwame Brown? Hey, I'm just saying the, the similarities are there. <laughs> well, there. OK, well, let's be honest. I mean, uh, Dwight Howard has a way better resume than Kwame Brown ever did. I mean, Kwame yes. at least came in with with like, oh, he's young and he has some potential to get better. Yeah. Whereas with Dwight, it's like, yeah, you know what you're getting. You're, he used to be, uh, um, you know, a tie end, uh, you know, Porsche car or, or a Maserati. Now he, he's a broken down. <laughs> You know, I don't even want to say Toyota because I think Toyota is like a, a step up on 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 Dwight at this point. You know what I mean? Like Dwight's like the, Pinto, <laughs> the Ford Pinto at this point. You're like, oh, maybe I can I can drag an extra, you know, a couple hundred miles out of him at the end of the run. And that's Dwight, about it. Dwight, Dwight Howard right now, Jazz, is my car. I still got that 97 Honda Civic. And I know it's got about two years left in it. If I if I take care of it, that's that's Dwight Howard right now. He's he's my okay. 97 Honda Civic. Yeah, that's OK. That's it. Yeah, that's a good that's a good uh, good comparison. With that. <laughs> Uh, I want to wrap up on this. The final thing that I wanted to touch on this came out on uh, when Kobe was on uh, Jimmy Kill, Kimmel, pardon me, last week. Um, no. Talk about the fact he doesn't want to and doesn't have any interest to help Rob Palenka recruit free agents to the Lakers. He says, he's, I'm quoting him here. He's like, I stay away from that stuff. Rob is more than capable of handling the job and all the pressure that comes along with it. And he also said, 
Uh, again, I'm quoting uh, Kobe here as well. Again, you, another story you can check out at silverscreenroll.com. I'm, I'm quick to tell him, listen, man, you're my guy, but you didn't get out on the court and score 40 points for me either. So I'm not going to do your job for you. Okay, Kobe, let's go back to a couple of things. Yes, Rob Palenka played collegially. He was a part of the Michigan teams that went to the uh, the national championship, a part of the, you know, with Chris Weber and the Fab Five. But yeah. also, we're not going to have Rob Palenka be on the court and be a, be a point guard. But Kobe, all he's asking you to do maybe is make a phone call or two. Why, why wouldn't Kobe want to get involved in this? <laughs> well, as, as we know, Jazz, Kobe is a, a world-renowned venture capitalist now. He is, and he's also a children's author and he's also an Oscar winner and he coaches his daughter's teams and and he's got his own sports academy now. Kobe's a busy guy. And I mean, and, and, and I know the question was, why wouldn't Kobe Bryant just make a couple of phone calls? Well, I, I feel like we've been through that already with Magic Johnson. And and I know that Kobe pays attention to the Lakers. He's still going to root for the Lakers and all this. But he also knows that, you know, Magic kind of got involved in this and that. And then he eventually ended up the team president. So I, I think that Kobe viewed this from afar and just thought to himself, you know what? I'll be the ambassador if you want, in the sense that I'll show up to a game maybe two or three times a year. And I'll get the nice standing ovation at Staples. And in the meantime, I'll just continue with all the stuff that I'm doing. And I don't have to worry about making phone calls. Magic Johnson literally said it. I couldn't be magic anymore. I, I think I think Kobe just wants to be Kobe. And that's fine. Because I don't know that you necessarily need Kobe Bryant to recruit guys. Yeah. Kobe's not the most popular guy in the world. If Kobe recruits anybody, one of the guys is on the team right now. He loved Rajon Rondo, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's like, right. That's right. Like Rondo, Rondo's already there. <laughs> what Kobe wants is he wants, you know, basically moody bastards. To, <laughs> to play for the Lakers. Somebody asked him about load management. I'm not sure if it was Kimmel or whatever the case is, but he basically said, look, I didn't believe in it because it's your job to be in good shape to go out there and play 82 games, which I agree with, but that's not the way the current climate is in the NBA. So I, I just worry that having Kobe around, stay to the outside and smile, but I, I just don't know that he's right for, for a role like that. Yeah, he's not he he's not a he's not a recruiter, that's for sure. No, he, he is not no. a recruiter, and that's not he's not a people person. He's not like Magic, where no. he's happy and outgoing. He's he's very reserved into himself and 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 feisty. So I agree. I mean, I, I don't think it's his job, but hey, man, if you can make a phone call to help the team out, come on, you know what I mean? Just whip out your phone, <laughs> make a good, give a couple of you know text messages, whatever it is you got to do. He should be able to make it happen. Uh, Marcus, so, so let's wrap up on this. NFL opening weekend, what are your thoughts? Any team surprising you? Any team making you happy? Or is there somebody that you're like, yeah, this team stinks completely? Well, I, I actually tweeted today, uh, this episode of the Cleveland Browns with expectations is filmed before a live studio audience. I was, <laughs> I was very excited for the Cleveland Browns season. And uh, you know what? There's, there's no reason to believe that uh, these aren't just the same old Browns. I mean, Listen, it's only year two of Baker Mayfield. I had never heard of Freddie Kitchens until he was hired as the head coach. And Odell Beckham is one moody bastard. So I <laughs> hopefully the Browns turn it around in week two. But I mean, who knows? This, this could be the same old Browns. That was probably the biggest disappointment to me. I know you're excited about Jimmy Garoppolo. I know that, you know, he caught a lot of flack in the preseason. I know that they beat Tampa Bay. Hey, Richard Sherman, by the way, Jazz, mm -hmm. uh, had, had a pick six today. He and did. I yep. think I think your Niners 
surpassed their interception total from from all the last season, which blew me away. I didn't know that stat. Yeah, they had. They, yeah, they had two. Uh, I think they. Yeah, they had two interceptions last year. Had three today. A couple of pick sixes as well. So I mean, I, I, Jimmy didn't look. Jimmy G did not look good in this game in against Tampa. Um, but I'm happy that they they were able to pull out a win. I think it's the first time the Niners are over 500 since. Jim Tom Sula's year as the coach where they won their opening game against the Vikings. I, the Niners haven't been over 500 oh, uh, wow. since then at this point. So I, I do think that, um, oh, no, they, I'm sorry. You know what? They, the following year, Chip Kelly, uh, they won their opening game, I think, the, against the Rams. Oh, yeah, that's uh, right. That was Blake, the first. Blake uh, Gabbard, yeah. Blake yeah. Gabbard was the, uh, was the QB at that point. But, I mean, no, this, the team has struggled. So for me, I'm looking at it like, okay, it's a positive. They got uh, the Niners are in Cincinnati next week. Bengals didn't look too bad. I don't know if Seattle looked worse than it was or the Bengals played better. But, I mean, I don't think it's an easy win for the Niners' talent level going into Cincinnati next week either. But, I mean, it's good. It's the fun part now as a sports fan where everything's kind of rolling. Shout out as well to Bianca Andrescu for y'all. Don't know me and Marcus yes, are Canadian. So we were very happy, happy to see her win. But Absolutely. Uh, um, you know, it's kind of the good time now that the training camp for the NBA is going to start rolling around. And next thing you know, in the next couple of months, we're going to have – NFL rolling and the NBA rolling. So it's a great time to be a sports fan. Oh, yeah. No, without question. This is the best time of the year. And it is September the 8th today, the first NBA preseason game, I believe. It's uh, Clippers, Rockets, I, I think in China mm -hmm. on like the 2nd of October. So we're almost there. Yeah, I, we're, I, con it's, it's I constantly coming. do the countdown. We're getting there. And we, we are, man. Thanks again for coming on and doing this. You're a friend of the podcast and uh, always fun to have you on with us. Anytime, brother. Always fun. All right, that's Marcus Fitzgerald. He's a, he's a reporter and anchor for Sportsnet 650. You can catch him on Twitter as well, at Marcus Fitzy. While you're at it, follow us as well at uh, Lakers SBN. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. You can catch us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, you name it. We are there. And don't forget to rate us as well, whether it's good or bad. Obviously, we prefer the five stars. But if you have some feedback for us, we're always open to it. And don't forget to check out silverscreenandroll.com for all your Lakers needs, including stats, opinions, analysis. Again, you name it, we have it there. That does it for this episode. I'll catch you all next time.